morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. iTunes is having a little trouble uploading programs, so rather than leave you in the lurch, I thought I'd get a special little treat for you. This is a show from deep down in the top secret Automotive Hour archives. A show originally broadcast back in August 29th, 2009. Let's listen to our show already in progress. And we got every single line wide open. Go ahead and call us right now. It'll be the best possible time to get in. That's it. First of the show is always a good time. Undoubtedly, people will wait till the last few minutes of the show and right. call and right. just don't have time to really get a good in-depth answer. Right. Well, a lot of times we have to kind of rush people off the air because they'll call in right at the end of the show and just not enough time to explain whatever it is that you're trying to explain. Right. So, also, there's all these people who are actually left holding at the end of the show and you don't get a chance to answer a question right of course if that does happen to you that's right you can always visit our website it's www.agcoauto.com that's a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o.com right and the easy way to remember that's Zan's Garage Company. That's right. And there's three databases on our site that you can search. There's the vehicle questions, which right. is kind of a short to the point answer to a certain question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Agco questions, right. which are questions that deal with just Agco Automotive. If you care to do business with us, right. for instance, one of the more popular ones is how much do you charge for a diagnosis? That's a question that we get a lot because everything that we do, we diagnose it. We don't quote prices without diagnosing the right. problem first. Right. You you won't see a price chart anywhere on our facility right, because that leads to so many problems it does yeah, just most of the problems in the automotive industry can be traced back to that one particular problem where exactly people are not diagnosing the problem they're spewing prices and of course when you go into the price you pay is not anywhere close to what was quoted to you and that really doesn't help anybody at all so how we charge for a diagnosis that's in there that's right there's also the detailed topics right which lewis has taken a certain topic say one on oh, coolant and right. wrote an in-depth article on Certain topics. Right. Just probably almost everything you want to know about a specific topic. Like right. there's one in there on timing belts. There's one in there on oil filters. There's one in there on old tires. Old That's tires. very, very, very popular. Old tires with good tread. Because a lot of times people will look at their tires and they'll say, man, they're great. Got plenty of rubber left on them. Right. But what they don't realize is that the tires are six, seven, eight, or older and very, very dangerous. You wouldn't serve your family a one-month-old glass of milk. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but we don't realize that tires also get old and has an expiration on them. Yeah, I took a set off the other day off of a 10-year-old vehicle. Right, Still right. had the original tires on right. and Lots still, of tread. Still they still look, look good, good. Other than the cracks in the tread. Uh, read it. that article. It's, it's called Old Tires, Good no tread, tread or something to that effect. Yeah, just type in something like tread or old tires and, on the search bar, and it'll come up for you. It might save you a whole lot of trouble and maybe uh, maybe an accident. Exactly. Tons of other good information. Pop on and see what you think, www.agcoauto.com, agcoauto.com. Whole lot of really good information. We think you'll like it. We're going to our phone lines. We've got Joe online. Good morning, Joe. How you doing, Lord? Doing great, sir. I have a 67 GTO. Okay. The water pump shaft broke. Okay. And the fan went into the radiator. Uh-oh. I replaced the water pump, uh-huh. the thermostat, and had the radiator record. Okay. At the same time, it messed up the fan drive. Yeah, I'd say it probably would. You need to be careful, too, Joe. Make sure it didn't bend one of those fan blades. Well, well, well it did. Yeah, you'll get a heck of a vibration. Well, I, put another one. I bought another one. The guy said it was made for that car, but okay. I'm looking at it, and I don't think it is. Well, here's the problem. The car mm-hmm. still runs hot when it's idling. It does fine as long as it's on the road. Okay. And like oh. I said, I don't have a shroud on it now. I don't yeah, know now if that could be the problem. That could very well be the problem, Joe, because what happens without a shroud particularly if the fan is located a distance from the radiator, like right. there's a six or eight inch gap. It does. What it will do is create a turbulence with that air. And when you put a shroud on, you've created basically a wind tunnel, okay. which is drawing straight through the radiator. 
without the shroud, you're just creating a turbulence behind the radiator. It's not drawing air through the radiator. It's just stirring air up behind it. Right. So the water can't give off the heat because there's no airflow. So when you come to an idle, when you're sitting still, it's going to overheat. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're going down the road, you got 30, 40 mile an hour wind blowing through that radiator. You don't even need a fan. Right, yeah. So you're going to need to get a shroud for that radiator. If for some reason you just absolutely can't find a shroud, one thing you might try is an electrical pusher fan. In other words, they make an electrical fan you can put on the front of the radiator, and it pushes air through it. Right. Now, that's not my preferred solution. My preferred solution is to put it back the way God invented it. But if you can't get anything else, that will get you by the problem. Okay. Another thing that might help, Joe, they made spacers that went behind the fan, behind between the fan and the water pump. Right. And you get those up to about four inches thick. If you locate the fan closer to the radiator, it'll okay. make it much better. All right, yeah, okay. So, and, and those were real common back in the day. You know, you don't see them anymore because everything's so tightly engineered. Right, right. Back then, there used to be several different thicknesses of spaces where you could kind of tune that. Yeah, you could move the fan. You could up. move the fan close to the radiator. And you want that fan probably about a half inch, three-quarters of an inch from the radiator. Okay. That way you'll draw a lot more air. And like I said, if, if you have to hook up a pusher fan, on the new cars, it's, it's kind of bad news. On those old cars, you had enough electrical capacity. The car didn't draw that much. It would handle it okay. Right. So you think the shroud probably have a lot to do shroud with it? Shroud would be the best thing. If you, yeah, if it's overheating that idle only. See, right. if it were anything like a thermostat or a water pump or a radiator, it would overheat going down the road because right. it couldn't get rid of all the heat you were creating. Right. What this is doing, it can handle the heat load of the engine just fine. It's just when you quit moving and there's no airflow, exactly. then it starts to get hot. Okay. All righty. Okay, thank you. Okay, Joe, thank Bye -bye. you, man. Bye-bye. And we're going to our phone lines. We've got Ron on the line. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, Luke. Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got a 2002 Tahoe, uh -huh. and you keep having problems with the bottom running light on the left side going out. You see all these Tahoes. Yeah, extremely common, Ron. You have to change the socket, what they call a socket pigtail. GM sells those sockets separately, and what happens, the socket burns up. When you go in and you pull the old bulb out, the bulb will be kind of burned, but you take and you put a new one in, you kind of shake things around, it'll start working, it'll work for a month or two, and then bam, it goes right back out again. Right, right. There is updated sockets for that problem. Is that a moisture problem? I don't think it's a moisture problem. It's by the cheapest part from the lowest price bidder type problem. We change those sockets constantly. Right. you got a soldering iron, and you know how to solder. You can change it yourself. If not, it's a relatively inexpensive thing. We keep the sockets on the shelf at the shop. Is that a local item when you get it to you? We buy them from Chevrolet. That's what I mean, be an OEM piece? Yeah, I think there may be other places you can get them. I just don't know. I know Chevrolet sells them. I don't remember the exact price on them, but they're not terribly expensive. Okay. All righty. Sounds good. Okay, Ron. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? I'm glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You might even help somebody else. There you go. By bringing up something they weren't thinking about. Hey, we got Ronald on the line. Good morning, Ronald. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. I got a 1990 Chevrolet pickup truck. All right, sir. I want to know what type of Freon goes in to the air condition. That would be R12 is what came in it. That's the regular old, what you call Freon. See, Freon is actually a brand name. It's not a product. R12 is the refrigerant that goes in. Oh, yeah, R12. Yes, sir. 134A is the newer stuff. That started around 92. Between 92 and 93, they converted everything over. Now, the thing to remember, Ronald, that unit, R12 is still completely available. In other words, you can't go and buy it, but if you're licensed, air conditioning tech, you can still get it. My oh. particular theory is I do not ever convert those systems over. Oh, you, I never do because they don't cool as well and it leaks out a whole lot more and it creates a whole lot of problems. I put the original stuff back in. Okay. 
I've seen hundreds of those units that have been converted, and it's always a problem. You see, on the 134A, the molecules are much smaller, so they tend to leak more. On a system that came with 134A, it's going to have nylon hoses. Your system has rubber hoses. Yeah. Those old rubber hoses are not going to keep it in. That's one problem. The second problem is your system used mineral oil to lubricate the compressor. 134A will not transport mineral oil, so you've got to take all that out and convert it over to what they call PAG oil. Mm -hmm. And it's just not what it was designed to work with, so it doesn't work as well. The third thing, and to me the biggest thing, is you're going to lose about 10% efficiency of your cooling because it's not as efficient. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, if you lived up in Montana, losing 10% of your air conditioner wouldn't be a big deal. But in South Louisiana, you need everything that unit can do. That's right. And most people can't live with 10% loss of cooling. So I put it back the way God built it. If it's an R12 system, we fix the problems with it, we put the R12 back in it. Okay. And that's overall a whole lot cheaper than trying to convert them over. Now, you're going to pay more for the R12 simply because the government has decided we don't need it and stuck a $30 can tax on it. Yeah. I mean, it still costs the same thing it always costs. It's just our feds are getting $30, $35 on every can we sell, so that's why the price is so high. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499 number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. We'd sure love to have you. And just another example of uh, <laughs> our government has decided we don't need this. So they oh, exactly. Tax just tax out us of out of it. Yeah. You know, it would be one thing if you say, okay, well, you can't use that anymore. Go ahead, all of them from here on will be using this new refrigerant. But why do you want to pop a big old tax on Ta the stuff for the old vehicles that guys are just trying to get by? Because they can? Absolutely. Just a big old windfall profit That's to somebody. It. You know? That's it. Going yeah. in somebody's pocket up oh, there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. A 30-pound cylinder of R12 used to cost about $25. Right. Now it's over $1,000. Oh. <laughs> and it's all taxed. <laughs> oh, I, I we used to buy it a dollar a can. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Man. Hey, boy, Gee I tell you, what a world, huh? I'm telling you. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Good morning, and welcome back to Automotive Maintenance School, fellas. Good morning. Yesterday, we left off talking about how to upsell your customers with the sneaky $24.99 oil change. Yeah, they come in for the special and bam, we hit them with other problems we just happen to find while doing the oil change. <laughs> yeah, and then you tell them, it's a good thing you came in for our oil change special. Yeah, you may never have known you needed all this work. Yeah, sound like you fellas did your homework. I just hope none of your customers did. <laughs> Agco Automotive has this to say about low price oil changes. Take advantage of them. And if you get a list of recommended repairs, bring your vehicle to us for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we've got every line wide open right now. Go ahead and give us a call. I'm glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. Try to give you some automotive advice. Try to get you going again. All get right. you stopped, maybe. Well, you know, old car won't start. Old car won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The, uh, any other thing you might, any automotive topic or even any non-automotive topic. What the heck? There you go. Yeah, I'm kind of like Rush. Just kind of open. Yeah, that's right. Open, open. open line for open line Saturday. There we'll you talk go. About whatever you want to talk about. You got it. <laughs>
the cash for clunkers deal, and that's one of my particular sore spots. I was just kind of reading some information on it last night, and they said, of course, there's tons of information and misinformation. Right. But they said it looks like there's just a whole lot of fraudulent activity involved with that. I think we hadn't even begun to see the problems, the ways they're accounting for the cars and one thing or another. Just appears there's a whole lot of improprieties involved with that program. Yeah, well, anytime you deal with the federal government, you know, you got to have I'm the uh, government. I'm here to help you. Yeah, that's the biggest statement you never want to hear. Yeah, boy, you better look out. Well, what it did, an awful lot of folks who had a car that they could afford, right. put them in a car now that they can't afford. Their payments have gone way up. They're in debt for the next six years. Insurance payments went sky high because the old car all they happened to have was liability. Now they got right. to have full coverage on it. Maybe mm-hmm. hadn't planned on that. Not only that, but the technology that they're involved with now is so incredibly complex. They've got a car now they can't possibly repair themselves. Right. Uh, It's going to cost an arm and a leg to maintain it. When it breaks, for the most part, it has to be fixed. It's not like the old car where the ABS light came on, you can just leave it on. Right. May have inadvertently bought a car that takes a special rated tire. Oh, yeah. That are real expensive to replace. Now we're deep in debt. We've got technology that we can't afford to maintain i guess the next thing is going to be the car crisis i was just fixing to say i think we're gonna have a car <laughs> crisis bail I, I told people so you think i should buy a car it's no way to buy a year It'd be tons and tons of them on the market exactly Believe me. one and two year old cars on the market and you'll be able to pick them up for a song man. there you go what you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> boy i was working on the website and guy asked me a question about a fan clutch and that's one of those things you don't really think a whole lot about. Uh, Until it gives you a problem. Exactly. And fan clutches are one of those things, like so many other things, that really look kind of simple and is fairly complex in the way that it operates. Right. And can cause all sorts of problems. And what a fan clutch is, is basically a device that disengages the fan when it's not needed. And by not needed, I mean when the engine's running cool or when it's driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour. And doesn't need that excess air. You don't really need that airflow. And so you can turn the fan off and save an awful lot of power draw because a fan can pull up to 20 horsepower away from an engine, hmm. which takes energy to turn it and so on and so forth. Right. But his question was, is when he's idling, you're sitting idling like at a drive through on a hot day, his engine sounds like it's running real fast. And he thought Correct. he had a transmission problem. He brought it by, we drove it, and you could look at the tachometer, and the tachometer was not rising, but the engine just sounded like it was really tearing up. And what it was is that big old fan is pulling so much air because the clutch is now locked up. The clutch is now locked up, exactly. And it does that to keep the engine from overheating, number one, but also to keep the head pressure on the air conditioning from going sky high. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to pull air through that condenser. And those can be really, really noisy. So that's actually normal operation for that particular they've, vehicle. And they've actually gone, I guess, I wouldn't say full circle, but now they're some of them are actually electronically controlled Well, right. Clutches. They're pulse-width modulated where they can lock an infinite amount of ways. Before, your mechanical clutches, it was either locked or unlocked. Right. They had a thermostatic coil on the front, and when it got to a certain temperature, it locked the clutch, and the fan started to pull. When it cooled down, it unlocked the clutch. But with the pulse-width modulated electronic clutches, they can actually, the computer can run it at 50%, 60%, 70%. It can run it at any speed it wants. It's like having an electric fan Almost being controlled. Without the draw without, of the electric right. fan. And the other side of that is the old clutch assembly probably costs between <laughs> $60 and $150. These cost four to $600. Right. And, and we're changing a bunch of them. Go bad a whole lot more. <laughs> we're changing a bunch of them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just another one of those things. In fact, they can actually make your check engine light come on. You right. pop a check engine light and it's the fan clutch not working right. Another thing that 
we were seeing, we had a guy come in, oh, I don't know, right along the same type of topic. His air conditioning, when he would sit idling, would not cool. And the engine was not overheating at all. In fact, the engine was running too cool. Okay. It was down about a quarter of the way up. And he was pretty confused by this. He just couldn't figure out what was going on. And he had changed a whole lot of parts on his air conditioner. Had them changed. He had changed the compressor and he had changed several things. But it just, at an idle, it just wouldn't cool. Right. Upon checking it, what we found is that when the vehicle was running at, say, 1,500 RPMs or driving down the road, the head pressures were good. The pressure was good on low side and high side. At an idle, the high side pressure was going way up. And when that happens, it quits cooling. Now, why was that happening? He had actually put a lower degree thermostat, thermostat. in the engine, thinking okay. that that was good, which it's not. And the fan clutch operates <laughs> off of the temperature of the air flow coming through the radiator. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't care about temperature of the engine or anything. It's measuring the air flow temperature because that's what is going to fire it. But with the radiator running so cool, the condenser sitting out front couldn't heat the fan clutch enough to turn it on. So when you would sit at an idle, the fan clutch would actually disengage. It's not okay. drawing air through the condenser. Right. The high side pressure is going sky high, which actually tore up one compressor, and would also quit cooling. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you how seemingly unrelated things can have relate other back effects. To, right. Because the cars are so precisely engineered now, and the later model stuff is even way more so than the old stuff. You just can't substitute a single thing. Well, and vehicles are, are designed to run a lot hotter these days right. than they used to. Right. For a reason. Yeah. They want them to run hotter. They got them doing different things, and it's all computer controlled now, so... The computer can take care of what they couldn't take care of mechanically right? back in the day. Well, and one little thing like changing the thermostat to a different degree, what you've got is actually a system. And right. you have basically disrupted the entire system just with that one simple change. A lot of times we see someone may actually go in trying to do the right thing, go to a parts store and buy a thermostat that they think is the right one, and it's some kind of cheap junk from India, put that in there, and it doesn't work right, and now right. the air conditioning quits working, and it'll spend right. hundreds if not thousands of dollars trying to solve this problem that was created by something by totally that. unrelated. And unless you get a really sharp diagnostic tech on that, try and do the work yourself, you may not right. ever figure it out. If you finally break down and take it to someone, mm -hmm. if you can get them the right information and all the information, well, and That's one, the biggest thing. One is of the getting... most important pieces of information in this particular case is when did the problem start? Exactly. Well, it started after I flushed my coolant out. Okay, well, what else did you do? Well, I changed the thermostat. Oh, okay, bam. Well, now they know where to start exactly. looking. And that may save you hours of diagnostic time, and diagnostic time is very expensive. Right. So you don't want to just go in there and say, well, my AC doesn't cool, Bob, I don't know anything else about it. Well, that's fine, and they may go to it, but it may take a lot longer, whereas that one little scrap of information getting related just saved you maybe a couple of hours of diagnostic time of checking other things because if you just comes in first thing they have to do is check the pressure on the system they have to check, do an efficiency check they have to test the condenser they have to test the compressor they're going to test an awful lot of things that are just going to come back good right but they still have to test them because they don't know where else to start whereas if you said the problem began when the thermostat was changed, well, then they maybe go straight to that. Communication. And test that first. Communication. Save, save you a whole lot of money. Right. And get the car fixed a whole lot faster 
that sort of thing happens just all the time. There but, you go. You get to a shop and they've got a big header board up there that says air conditioning service, sixty nine ninety five. Right. You walk in, the air conditioning's not working. What well, must be sixty nine ninety five. That's right. Squirt some more freon in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you end up Well now they blew the compressor off the engine because it already had <laughs> it already had right, enough right. charge on it. The head pressure wasn't working right because the thermostat was bad. Right. They put more in there. Now you've still got the original problem plus you destroyed the AC compressor. Exactly. So you took a $75 problem and turned it into a $1,700 problem. With the right communication when you walked in the door, right, you could have avoided the whole well, situation. Selecting the right shop. Exactly. I don't think you would go to a doctor who had a big board up there that said appendix removed this much, <laughs> cough this much, right. sneeze this much, headache this much. When I go in for a headache, I want to know, is this just something I need to take an aspirin or do I have a brain tumor? Exactly. <laughs> I don't want a one-size-fits-all we, we solution. Gotta, we got to do a little diagnostic work here. <laughs> That's right. It's just one of those things that folks are not really accustomed to doing right uh, and what brings us on an awful lot is in the past you could do those sorts of things and get by with them but nowadays you're going to run out of money way before you run out of possible parts to change oh, most definitely because just like with the air conditioning story how many people would relate a engine thermostat to an air conditioner not cooling at an idle not many how many things could you change oh. hoping to fix that problem before you'd stumble upon Man. that <laughs> You could throw some parts oh, out. Oh, absolutely. And we see that so very, very, very often. We had a guy come in not too very long ago, had a check engine light on, and it was setting an EGR code, EGR right. flow code. And, of course, first thing we did is test the EGR valve, and it was fine. And so we tested some other things. And come to find out, someone had changed the fuel pump in the vehicle, and they had crossed the lines between the ground and the cinder unit. Right. So that as the tank filled with fuel, it would lose ground on the egr system would back up through the computer and set an egr light right now had he tried to fix it himself first thing he does go into a parts store run the code who said egr valve so he just spent 300 bucks for an egr valve he didn't need right put down what light still on what, now what? what might he have done next i mean there's no telling the number of things you might have <clears> changed <throat> the amount of money you might have wasted and never ever got close to That's a right. fuel pump ground wire yeah it, for, just, it makes no sense except that that's what it was. For an hour or, uh, or so diagnostics, we figured it out and right. got it straightened out. Right. Got him going. And, you know, the guy's tickled to death. Right. Another classic example, just this week, we had a guy come with a Cadillac DeVille, and the car, when it sits and you go to crank it, eventually it would start. Right. Now, most of the time when that problem occurs, it's a bad fuel pump or bad fuel pressure regulator. Exactly. And what's happening, the fuel pressure is draining back to the tank, and you know, after a while it gets so up. long. To- but in this particular case, what had happened is some type of rodent had gotten under the hood and chewed the wire that goes from the relay to the fuel pump, the fuel pump enable relay. Right. Now, right. that would cut the fuel pump off completely, except that on this particular car, it had an all-pressure bypass. It's designed to kill the engine when that oil pressure drops. Right. But in lack of a signal to the fuel pump, it as waits. soon as the oil pressure comes up, it feeds through that circuit. Right. So when you start to crank, the oil pump starts to turn. When you build enough oil pressure, the car would start. It was running through a completely different circuit. Exactly. Now, again, you might have changed a $700 fuel pump for nothing. You might have changed a $200 fuel pressure regulator for nothing, and you'd have still had the exact same problem. The problem was a wire that got chewed off back at the firewall by caused a little the, caused the whole squirrel problem. or whatever. Right. Right. 
And that's the reason why you do diagnosis, simply because it's much, much cheaper than anything else. Sure. The reason you do diagnosis is because it is to save you money. Right. You, you spend an hour diagnosing something instead of even at $100 an hour. Right. You still saved oh, money by not putting a $700 fuel pump well, in that you didn't need. What most folks would do in that case, well, call, well yeah, mine didn't do that. It was a fuel pump. Okay, well, let's go get a fuel pump. Exactly. Well, they run down to the parts store to buy a fuel pump that's not as good as the one they're taking off. It's some kind of cheap aftermarket pump. They spend the entire weekend dropping the fuel tank, putting that in. They create two evap leaks without well, checking your lights on. Yep. Put it in, still got the same cranking problem. Yep. Well, maybe it's fuel pressure regulator. So let's they go, go spend that. $200 more on that, put a part in there that's not yeah. as good as the original one. We now already, they got a fuel leak. <laughs> we're, already, we're already in this deep. Let's keep going. Yeah. Now you got $700, $800. You're not as good off as before. You check engine lights on. All that could have been headed off by bringing the car to someone who knows what to do and letting them diagnose it. Even right. if you want to do the work yourself, have them diagnose the problem for you. And then you know exactly what you're doing. I tell you what, it, it's it's a whole lot cheaper to go that route, have somebody diagnose it for you. And a lot of times it's even cheaper to let them go ahead and fix it. Yeah, it, because, many times you it know, is. You end up spending a whole weekend dropping a gas tank. Right. Yeah, you know, that, right. that's a weekend gone. You could have been doing something else. Well, that's right. And not only that, but you, you put it back in and you don't get the seal in because you don't have the right tool to tighten right. that big nut that holds the fuel pump in. And now you got an evap leak. Oh, yeah. Well, now. And that's a nightmare. It all comes back out again if you can find it. First, you go change a bunch of solenoids and gas caps and all kind of other parts that right. you didn't need uh, trying to find the problem. And eventually, you got to bring somebody who has a smoke machine. They smoke test, tell you fuel pumps leaking, and you got it all back take out it again. it all back out again, yeah. And round and round and round it goes. And you know, we see this so very, very, very often that we do. We, it's that's second our business. nature to us. That's right. But the average person who only encounters this maybe once or twice in their lifetime, they don't see it as clearly. That's right. And the obvious thing is, well, I can save a few dollars by doing this myself. And, man, they just don't realize the path that they're heading down. Well, and that and what's your time worth? Yeah. You know, you could be spending that time doing something That's else. Right. Well, something yeah. you really enjoy instead of working on well, your car. <laughs> I paint my own kitchen, too. But there you go. <laughs> I get a painter to do that. I go do something else. I can either make a whole lot more money doing something go. else and get a whole lot better job, or I can go enjoy myself doing something else. There you go. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Mike, how are you and things at the dealership's maintenance department? Dave, things are great. You guys still running that low-price $24.99 oil change at your place? Oh, yeah. Folks come in, and we just happen to find a ton of other stuff wrong with their car. <laughs> Works, don't it? Sometimes when it's a woman, I make something up like, your flux capacitor has a leak. Yeah, or your strapanoid filter head needs to be replaced. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I gotta write that down. Agco Automotive wants to let you know how to stick it to the low-price oil chain shops. Go get the oil change, and then take your vehicle and their list of recommended repairs to Agco for an honest opinion of what, if anything, needs to be fixed. And we'll fix only that. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And just in case you don't care to call in or something occurs to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. 
Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. That'll get you. And there's several databases you can search on our site. Should you happen not to find what you're looking for, you can always hit the contact bar on every page. Send Lewis a personal email, that's and he'll answer it and get it back to or you. Or an impersonal email. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be glad to answer. You know, we were talking just a second ago about working on your own car. There's right. nothing wrong with working on your own no, car. No, no, not at all. Some folks enjoy it, but if you're going to do that, Get some information. Right. And this is one way you can get some information. If nothing else, go ahead and fire off an email. I'll at least try to point you in the right direction and try to keep you from making a mistake. There you go. Something that's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. And if nothing else, there's tons of other information on the web, but just go to our site and look up the problem you've got and see if it doesn't pop up with a solution for you. may save you just a whole ton of error. And the worst possible thing to do is go in there and start throwing parts at it. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's a big big mistake. That is one thing you just don't do. It's sort of like going to a doctor. He says, well, first thing we do is cut you open and look around and see what we can find. Yeah, that sounds like fun, don't Yeah, it? let's don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do a little diagnostic work and let's find out. And I'm not saying that you have to go to a shop to get the diagnostic work done. If you enjoy doing it, go ahead and gain the information, gain the knowledge yourself. There you go. But use a tactical approach where you're actually researching and finding the problem, finding the root cause and not acting on the symptoms. Right. And that's one place that our site can help you out a lot because there's tons of information. Go in there and look at detailed topics first and see if it's covered under one of the detailed topics. You may learn a whole lot of information about the way the system works. If not, go to the vehicle questions and see if that problem's already occurred with someone else. You may be able to answer it. There you go. And, of course, if you don't see it on our site, there's lots of other things on the net. The only thing you have to worry about just a tad on the net is when you go to forums, I know there's lots of those in there too. Right. Sometimes I'll read forums, look up, put in a keyword, it'll come up, and you look at what the people are saying. you got to remember, you don't know who this is saying that. I've seen some things that are just totally off base. I mean, 180 degrees from the truth, and they're stating it like as though it's a fact. So right. be careful where you're looking. If you go to the AGCO site, you know who's telling you that, and... I believe you can pretty much count on what I tell you because I'm not right. going to put something in there that's not a fact. But a lot of times you go to a forum, you just don't know who's making these statements. You just got to be real careful about the information you get from right. where you get it from. Right. And the same thing with getting a car fixed in a shop. I that's know right. all shops should be professionally run and, and all be the same, but it just doesn't work out that way all the time. So just be kind of careful about what you hear. But if you want a, just a good source of information in the city of Baton Rouge, go to our website. Agcoauto.com. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Everything's free. Pop on there, look around, see what you think, get some good information, and then you can maybe save from making a big mistake. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines. we got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Louis. In these tough economic times yes, with everybody trying to get the most bang for their buck. Yes, sir. If i got a question as far as if. I don't need any diagnostic services if yes, I'm just doing preventative maintenance, yes, like sir. changing the transmission fluid. Yes, sir. Right. Why not go with the, the shop that I could with the lowest cost and that I can trust? I think you just made two very wise statements, Tim. You said the shop that you can trust. The shop that you can trust is an honest shop, and that will always be the lowest cost. Now, to kind of get back to what you were talking about before, diagnosis is not always necessary. For instance, sometimes you know exactly what you want and you know how you need it done. Now, in that case, you don't necessarily have to go to a shop with a diagnostic culture. Just, again, a shop that you can trust. What we're talking about here is when you have a problem and you don't know what you want. For instance, you may think that you want a transmission, but what you really want is a car that will shift again. And that may be a transmission, or that may be a loose wire, that may be a bad alternator. So in that case, the shop with the diagnostic culture is going to be the lowest shop. Services vary so greatly. If you only compare price, 
most people do not have the knowledge to know what they're getting for the money. For instance, let's take your Honda. We go to one shop and they say, we can do a transmission service for X number of dollars. The next guy says, we're going to do it for 2X. Okay, which one's the better deal? Well, I mean, is, is, if, if they're doing the same thing. But how do you know? Yeah, I mean, if you can, that's what I'm saying. Do, you do, got them that you're doing the same thing. But do you know that your Honda takes a specific transmission fluid that's different from any other kind of transmission fluid? No, I know it does do, take. Do I'm they right. know? Do they know? Do they know? <laughs> no, yeah. no. I... Are they doing the job twice? In other words, are they draining it? You know, do what it's supposed to do, the way you service it properly is you fill it, you run it for about 20 minutes, you drain it, you fill it again, and you do it again. Well, obviously, it's going to cost twice as much to do it twice. But if you're only doing it once, you're not getting the same job. Versus if you're hooking up a machine. One of these flushes. Right. If you take a machine, you run Dexron 3 through it, it's even cheaper. But you know what? You've done absolutely no good. You maybe done some harm. Okay. So that's the problem, and we see this every single day. If you go on my website, there's an article called The Difference in Price and Cost. Because price is the amount you pay initially. Cost is the amount you pay initially, plus everything else you have to do to make it right after that, divided by how long it lasts. My dad always had a saying, he says, how much do these shoes cost? Well, I don't know, I'm not through wearing them. Because if it lasts me one year, it costs me $40 a year. If it lasts two years, it only costs $20 a year. If it lasts four years, it only costs $10 a year. So right. the cost goes down because it lasts long. Now, if you can't wear them because they rub a blister on your foot, then they cost you a whole lot more, you see? Right. The so thing is, of... see, there is absolutely no standardization in the automotive industry. There is yeah. no one who licenses the like automotive healthcare. industry. It's like healthcare. It's like health care. Well, mean, that's a whole yeah, other debacle. <laughs> but all doctors subscribe right, to a Hippocratic Oath, and all doctors are trained. and It's not the same thing with automotive shops. There's no regulation, and in many cases, not even a license of any kind business. Tomorrow, if you want to open an automotive shop, you can go down and get your occupational business license and open a shop, and nobody can stop you. You might not know anything about a car whatsoever, but you could do it. Then you can advertise, you can get some customers, and eventually it's going to regulate itself because you're going to make enough people mad where they're going to quit coming to you and you go out of business, but that's going to take a long time. The fact is that you just can't compare because you don't have all the information. It's such an incredibly technical subject that unless you're very, very, very up on it, it would probably take me two days to explain the difference between doing it one way and doing it another way. We had a lady come in one time, and she was trying to get a price on getting a water pump changed. And I was trying to explain to her. I said, well, are you using an OEM water pump or are you using an aftermarket water pump? Well, I don't know. Are you using a rebuilt water pump? Are they flushing the system out so that it doesn't occur again? Are they putting distilled water in the factory coolant? Are they dumping some kind of cheap coolant city water? I mean, just something as simple as that. And every one of them is going to have a different price. But one's going to last about six months, and the other one's going to last six years. Okay, I understand. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, Tim, thank you, man. Bye-bye. There you go. I'll get the right right button sooner or later. (laughs) Let's go back to our phone lines with Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning, sir. Let me tell you that I really enjoy y'all's show. I don't know much about automobiles. Oh, thank you. But I have a question. I have Impala Chevrolet. Yes, sir. My daughter was using it, and she went to start it with the remote starter. Uh Uh-huh. It wouldn't start. Okay. So we we towed it to the dealer. Mm Mm-hmm. They said it was the fuel pump relay. Okay. They changed that. Uh-huh. The battery had shorted out. They changed that. Okay. When I got it back, white lights wouldn't work. The radio sometimes worked, sometimes don't. The radio would work with the switches off. Took it back to them. They kept it five days. They couldn't find anything wrong. Took it back to them again. They kept it four days, and they said it might be the radio. Now, do you have any way to check that? Because I don't want to go buy a radio if I don't have to have one. Yes, yeah, so you still on the warranty, Lewis? No. Okay, you got a warranty on it. 
would that sounds almost like the body control module mm -hmm. with all of those problems. I think that possibly that problem got misdiagnosed initially. See, the body control module is going to control everything that has to do with the chassis of the vehicle. Like, for instance, it controls the alternator, which could give you a dead battery. It controls the security system, which could cause it to not start. It controls the radio, which could make your radio come on or not come on. Sounds to me like you got a body control module issue. Now, that doesn't mean the module's bad. I mean, it could be lacking a ground going to it. It could be a wire that's cut or broken. Has any modifications been done to the car at all? None. Everything's exactly stock? Everything's exactly like it was. Uh, how often does this occur? Well, it does at different times of the day. Uh huh. Sometimes uh, the radio would be playing. You stop and go in. You come back out. The radio won't play. Okay. Turn it off. Turn the switch back on. The radio will come back on. Now, when you sometimes when it's not working, you punch the radio uh -huh. button, and it get, you get static all through the speakers. What puzzles me is you can let this car sit out all night and go out in the morning, and the speakers are working. Yeah. Not even in the car. Yeah, as long as it will occur on a regular basis, for instance, if you can bring it to the shop and it will occur, it'd be pretty easy to diagnose that. Yeah. What I would do is to hook a digital voltmeter up to the input to the radio, and then when it occurs and the radio doesn't come on, if I've got 12 volts and ground to the radio when it's not occurring, now I know it's a radio. Well, if you know, I, if they, I don't they, have 12 they, volts and ground, then I know it's upstream, and I'm going to start looking further. The dealer said they unplugged the radio and it quit. Well, if the radio's not plugged up, it's... <laughs> <laughs> How about that, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah. with your shop, I want you to check it out. As long as it'll occur, that shouldn't be a big deal to find. Uh, I could do, probably, if I could, bring it over there and just leave it. And, you know, That would be days. the best thing, yes, sir. Go ahead and leave it long enough for me to get it to occur, and as, as soon as it occurs, we can nail it. I mean, that's not okay. a big problem. All right, thank you a lot. Okay, listen. Right. Really enjoy your program. Well, thank, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how you doing, Lou? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a brake question All for right. you. Had a brake job done on my 03 Aztec uh -huh. Wednesday. Okay. And today I'm having a problem with my wheel speed ABS sensor. Okay. Can those two things be related? Oh, absolutely. Brakes? Oh, yes. Somehow a technician cause a problem for my sim? Sure. We call that TIM. T-I-M. Technician induced malfunction. Oh. <laughs> now, I mean, it could possibly be unrelated but that yeah the the abs sensor is right at the wheel about one inch away from the brake rotor now a number of things can happen number one is he could have bumped the wire disconnected it he could have broke the sensor if he turned the rotors on the vehicle he could have got a bunch of metal which is a magnet that operates that sensor you're not ever supposed to turn the rotors on that thing on the car but some people do number of ways that that could have occurred also, that vehicle has a problem. There's some updated wiring harnesses that actually address some problems like that. The wiring harness was kind of mediocre, I guess, on the thing. If he got in there and he bumped it, he may have just revealed a problem that was going to happen anyway, so I don't want to blame him for sure. But I would go back to them first off and just say, hey, look, guys, after I picked it up, my ABS light came on. I just wanted you to check it and see if it's related. I wouldn't go in there accusing or anything else first. And just let them look at it and just say, tell me if it's related or not. And if they say, no, it's not related, then you may choose to have them fix it. You may choose to go somewhere else, depending trust level. You can also always take it to another shop, have them check it and tell you. And if they say, hey, it is related, then you can always go back. So there's a couple of ways to handle that. But I find it's always best 
to go in and you don't have to go back and eat a lot of crow in case there's a different problem. <laughs> so, I mean, I just go in and just strictly state the facts to him, say, look, guys, I'm not blaming you for anything. But, you know, ever since uh, right after uh, you did the brakes on it, my ABS light popped on. Could you check it over and see? Because, I mean, it may be a very simple mistake. Maybe they just knocked a wire while they went there and it's unplugged and they plug it back in and it goes out. So it may be well, a very simple problem. That's what I plan to do. I, this is the third time I'll be changing this hub assembly on the right side. And I've already changed it on the left side. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether this was one of those problems with GM, like the intake manifold gasket problem. Why did you change the other two times? What was it doing? Was it ABS it was, light? ABS light came on, okay. went in and checked it, well, and they said it was the sensor, see, and you have to change the whole hub okay. assembly. Well, not- probably what's happening, and I'm just kind of guessing because I wasn't there, but Probably what's happened is you got a bad harness assembly, the harness that goes to it. What they're doing is checking it, and they see no speed signal, so they say that the wheel bearing's bad. So they unplug it, and they plug it. In the meantime, they shake the harness around, and it all starts working. They think they got it fixed. But then you go down the road 10,000 miles later, 20,000 miles later, the harness goes out again. They go back and change the bearing again. Again, shake the harness around, it starts working again. I think maybe the problem's getting misdiagnosed. See, it could have been a wiring harness all along. Okay. Each time you go in there and shake it, get it to where it's working again for a while. Well, obviously, if you check and it says no speed signal coming out of it, that doesn't mean the sensor's bad. It just means the signal's not reaching the computer. You have to go well, a little was, bit deeper. When, when I hit the brakes, I get the, the, the right, sensor locks activates. Up. Yeah, well, I get it, a lot of vibration in my pedal. Right. See, if it doesn't have a sensor signal, it's going to assume the wheel's not turning, which means the wheel's locked up. So you're just going to start pulsing, and the pedal's going to drop, and it's going to, you're going to ABS mode is what it's doing. But again, okay. the harness will do the same exact thing as a sensor. It's just another one of those cases about you got to diagnose it completely. You just go in and, and react to the code that you get, because it's always going to set a code for a speed sensor. But that doesn't mean the sensor's bad. Because that's how it's programmed. Right. That, the guy that wrote the program, that's how he wrote the program out. Right. If, if, if this happens, this light comes on. Right. And it says if you no don't, signal from the sensor. You don't see voltage here, then say the sensor. But again, yeah. if the wire is, is not making good contact, right. it's going to do the same exact thing. It was working fine two days ago, and right. now I had a brake job, and now it's not working. That's right. pretty suspicious to yeah, me. Yeah, I would shake that wire, get them to shake that wire. If it starts working, chances are it's going to be that wire and harness, and that may be your whole problem right back to, to the beginning. You're changing a bunch of wheel bearings that didn't need to be changed. Okay, very good. Thank All you. Righty. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. We're going to take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true, like free beer tomorrow, or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true: the low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks, and more. Well, AGCO says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to AGCO and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah, too good to be true. Welcome back. 
back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got lead tech Brian Terry here with me. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. And we're going to our phone lines with Josh. Good morning, Josh. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. Listen, I've got a, a Jag. I know they have a bad reputation, but mine has been pretty good to me. But mm-hmm. I've read on some blogs on the Internet mm-hmm. that it, the uh, engine has problems with the timing chain tensioners once you get up over 100,000 miles okay. or so. Mm-hmm. is that That's probably not a job somebody who's not real good at working on cars should do himself. That is normally a very, very complex job, particularly on an overhead cam engine like that. Uh, I would want to take that to someone who's not only very good with cars, but someone who has a lot of experience with a Jaguar. I would be looking for a European specialist, you know, someone who has done that job over and again. Because, for instance, at Agco, we do domestic cars and Japanese cars and got a tremendous amount of experience with it, but I wouldn't tackle that job just because I don't have the European experience. And in every car, I know it seems subtle, but there's major differences in the way they do things. I would be trying to find a European car specialist who has worked on those cars a lot and have them do it. Do, do, do you, I don't know if you guys may not do this on the air, but is, is there a place here? There's only four Jag dealerships in the whole state. Right, and I don't think I would use a dealership. Deal. I mean, no. I'm going to tell you, the dealerships are not necessarily going to be your best choice. i tell you, for a good just general information, Josh, go to a website. Right on the front page, it says how to find a great shop. Uh-huh. Read that and just apply that to Jaguar. And I think that'll put you in the right direction to where you can, when you talk to the right guy, you'll know him. Cool deal. All righty. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, All Josh. Right. Thank you, man. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And we've got Fred online. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, guys. Good yes, morning. Hey, I've got a 2000 GMC 2500. Okay. Truck's in great shape. Uh-huh. No problems. My only issue is it's got the 454. Okay. And it's killing me on mileage. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for some advice. I don't want to get into a note right uh-huh. now. Yes, sir. Is there any way, I mean, would it make sense to drop either a small V8 in it or even a big B6? No, sir. No. It's almost impossible because you would have to change the wiring harness. You'd have to computer. change the computer. You'd have to change so many, even the transmission. Almost everything on the car would have to be changed. You'd never, ever, ever save enough in fuel for doing that. I've got an article on my site called Saving Fuel, Saving Money. You might read that article, and obviously it's not going to take you from 10 miles a gallon to 20 miles a gallon, but it might go from 10 to 13 or 14, which may be a little more livable for you. Right. Why don't you go in and read that article and see, and then if you got any more questions, fire off an email, and I'll be glad to talk to you a little bit more off the air. All right, sir. All right, Fred. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. I think we can maybe still squeak another call in there if you get by real quick. Real quick. quick. <laughs> real quick. Just about out of time. Of course, if you don't get a chance to call in. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. That's easy way to get your questions answered. Just right. hit that site. Hit the contact bar. You can send Lewis an email any time of day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. There's also several databases you can right. search. There's the vehicle questions, which is a short to the point answer to a certain question. There's also the detailed topics question, in-depth several answer. paragraphs answer to specific topics. Of course, there's lots of other things. Two or three of the things that I particularly find useful. One is what they call a vehicle cost calculator. Mm-hmm. And there's three different ones that can look at from different perspectives. One is a buy-keep calculator, and that's where you can compare the cost of keeping the car you have to buying another car. 
One is a used new calculator where you can compare the cost of buying a used, used car to buying a new car. It right. takes in depreciation and several factors like that. And the third one is a fuel mileage savings calculator. Okay. And that one is a real eye-opener. What you can do is punch two cars in with different fuel mileages and see how much money you're really going to save. So there see you go. if it's worth making that trade up to that car. Right. You may not ever save enough money to pay the difference. To pay the difference off. Hey, I see we're just totally out of time. I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.